welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Guys, go with me to Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to start today. And today we're going to talk about palmology. Palmology. Sounds a lot like palmolive, but we're talking about palmology. And palmology is the science of producing and studying fruit. The science of producing and studying fruit. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And if you've been paying attention, you may have noticed that the Spirit of God has been speaking to us over the last little while about the fruit of the Spirit. About a month ago or so, I preached and, and I, I spoke about the fruit of the Spirit. And I had a platter of fruit and I talked about how there's really only one fruit. We talk about the fruits of the Spirit, but there is no fruits, plural, of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. And then we had Dad here ministering and Dad spoke about love, which is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, Jenny shared, and she talked about abiding in him, and he abides in us. And when we work together, that we produce the fruit of God. And today, we're going to talk about the science of examining and studying producing fruit. Who, who's ever seen a Tropicana commercial? Tropicana orange juice? I remember this one commercial. We haven't had cable TV for a long time, but I remember this one commercial where it was an orange field down in Florida, and this farmer is out. I don't think he was a real farmer, just by the way. I think he was an actor. And he's out walking through his orange trees, his orange grove, I guess is what you call it. And the camera is panning. It's his big wide shot. And it zooms in on him as he's under one of his trees. And then he's examining these trees. And he's looking at these trees. And he walks up and he picks this big, like, ripe orange. I was going to say an orange orange, but that doesn't make a lot of sense. He was going to pick this orange off the tree and he slices, he pulls up this knife and he slices this orange open and this, this juice comes out and this orange, you're watching this commercial and this orange just looks amazing. It makes you like, I want an orange right now as I'm watching this commercial. And the whole point is they're telling you how pure and how, how, how natural their orange juice is and you should drink it because look at this man examining the fruit of his trees and he's walking around. That's palmology. And I think a lot of us are really good at examining a lot of things in life. Examining other people. Examining fruit at the grocery store. Shoot, you go to the grocery store and you examine fruit there before you buy it, don't you? you we all try and find that perfect watermelon. Nobody really knows how to find the perfect watermelon. We've all got our own theories on you, you knock it right here or you drop it on the floor and if it bounces, you buy it. We've all got theories, about, but we all examine the fruit. You know, we're checking it over, we're looking at it. But I've realized we're all really good at examining outwardly. But a lot of times as believers, we're not super great at walking through the orange grove of our life and examining our trees and examining our fruit growing on our trees. Am I alone in this parking lot? Shoot, a lot of us would be happy to walk through Chad's orange grove 
and examine Chad's trees and examine Chad's oranges and be like, well, I mean, this isn't the best looking orange I've ever seen. Like, look at this. I see spots and blemishes. There was an ant on this orange. I can tell and I'm not going to. We're great at that. But when it comes to looking into our own life and examining our own fruit, we stop short. And in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to talk about this a little bit with me. Remember that Galatians chapter 5, Paul's talking and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And what does he say that it is? What is the fruit of the Spirit? What is the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's gentleness, it's faithfulness, it's goodness, and it's self-control. These are the things in our life that we should see when the Spirit of God is at work in us and through us. And so in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is speaking and he's finishing up what we call the Sermon on the Mount. That's not what Jesus called it. It's what the people who pinned the Bible after the fact, when, when King James said, let's put this all together into one readable book, they called this the Sermon on the Mount. And in Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, he's finishing up this service. He's concluding his message. He's wrapping it all up. And in chapter 7, starting in verse 13, Jesus starts off and he's talking about how to get into heaven. And he says this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. I'm in the New Living Translation. And it says, The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. He goes on then in verse 15. He says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. And when it says here they look like harmless sheep, when they're false prophets, that word false prophets, it's actually, if you look it up in the Greek, it's a spurious prophet is what it says. And I had to look up the word spurious. Does anybody know what spurious means? It's not a word we really use anymore, is it? Spurious. Spurious means this. It's an illegitimate child. It is something that looks similar on the outside, but is lacking the genuine characteristics on the inside. So Jesus is talking about how to get to heaven. He says, uh, you know, you got to go to the narrow gate and the road is difficult and only a few people ever find it to get into heaven. But the way, the road to destruction or the highway to hell, the New Living Translation says, is really wide and the gate is really big. Listen, I want to tell you right off the bat, the enemy is making it easy for you not to find the way to Jesus. Oh man, I feel like I'm alone up in this house. He's bringing all kinds of stuff for you to be so distracted and so looking at other things instead of looking at Jesus, who the Bible says is the way, the truth, and the life. The enemy comes in. He says, here, look at this. nice. I've given you a 20-lane freeway. Has anybody ever driven in Houston before? I have family down in Houston, grew up down there off and on throughout the summers of my teen years, and Houston has some of the biggest freeways I've ever been on in my life. As you near downtown core of Houston, it is a 10-lane freeway on each side. And 
If you think, well, they must be good drivers, you're wrong. <laughs> because something happens with the bigger space you have, you feel like you can just weave across all 10 lanes in and out and you're weaving all the way. I want to tell you today, the enemy has given you like a 40 lane freeway to find your way to hell. He's making it as easy as possible for you to get there. But Jesus says the way to me is narrow and the road is small and it's difficult and you got to find it. And then he begins talking about these false prophets. And why is he talking about them? Because these false prophets are the ones that, who are leading you down the highway to hell, making things look easy for you instead of finding your way to Jesus. And he goes on here and he's talking and he says this. He says in verse 15 again, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they're really vicious wolves. And what do wolves want to do? They want to devour you. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And they show up looking like a sheep so they can trick you. And then in the end, devour you and gobble you up and destroy you. Jesus says, you can identify them in case you're wondering who these people are. In case you're wondering who the wolves are who are leading you astray, you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Now, he doesn't say here you can judge them by their fruit. He says you can identify them by the fruit in their lives. See, we're talking about palmology. We're talking about examining the fruit in our lives. It's time for us to walk around in our own life, in our own garden, and say, what kind of fruit am I producing? As I speak today, I hope the Spirit of God is speaking to you, challenging you to look at your own fruit and say, what am I producing in my life? What do I got growing off of the limbs and the branches of the trees of my life? He goes on here and he says this. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? He says, a good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. If you're reading a different translation, the ESV uses this word. A healthy tree produces good fruit, but a diseased tree produces bad fruit. Now, I looked this up because I was interested in this. I was interested if a bad tree really does produce fruit or if Jesus was using some kind of analogy from 2,000 years ago that maybe we need to understand a little better. And here's what I learned. A bad tree will still produce fruit, but here's what happens. A bad tree begins producing fruit, and the tree itself is bad. It's diseased. It's not healthy. There's something inside of it is wrong, but it produces fruit anyways. But here's what happens. That fruit slowly begins to be blemished and gross and has scabs on it. It has things that you have to peel off. Now, you can still eat that fruit. A bad tree produces fruit that you can still eat. 
But you got to grab that fruit and you got to begin to peel the stuff off. Well, this piece is bad here and I don't want to eat that piece. And so you grab it, you grab that apple and you cut this section off and you cut that section off. How many times have you done that when you have an apple with a bruise on it? You cut it, cut the bruise out, you still eat the apple. Well, you can get these diseased trees with fruit on it that's not growing the way that it's supposed to. It's got diseased fruit on it, but you can cut that fruit out. But here's what happens. The longer you allow a diseased tree to stay diseased and not treat it, the more diseased the fruit it produces. So in the beginning stages of a diseased tree, you can cut away the bad parts. But eventually, a diseased tree left untreated gets so bad that you can't even eat the fruit on it, so you got to chop it down and get rid of the tree. A good tree produces good fruit fruit and a bad tree an unhealthy tree a diseased tree produces bad unhealthy fruit so i'm asking you today not to answer out loud but to examine your own life what kind of fruit do you have growing in your life what kind of fruit do you have in your relationships what kind of fruit do you have in your marriage what kind of fruit do you have at your job, in your conversations, in your thoughts, in your mind? What is happening in your thoughts, in your mind, in the garden of your mind? What is growing? What fruit are you producing? What are you allowing to stay there? What diseased trees may be growing there that you are leaving unchecked that are producing diseased fruit? And the longer you allow that fruit to stay, and the longer you allow that tree to stay there unchecked, the more and more unedible that fruit becomes. Jesus goes on here and he says, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. What are the actions of your life telling people about you? I've said this a lot. If you've come to Hope City for any amount of time, you've probably heard me say it, but people watch you more than you ever really realize or think about. People you work with, you go to school with, you live with, you hang out with, maybe they don't believe the same things as you, but those people watch your life. They listen to your words. They look at your fruit and they look to see what your fruit says about you. We're not here to judge people. That's not our job. We're not judges of men. But you can examine and identify who people are and what they believe by the fruit that's growing on their trees. Parents, it's your job to examine the fruit of the trees on your kid. That's your job. That's your job. You are supposed to walk through. Josiah, get up. This is my youngest born. Come here, son. As his dad, as his father, while he lives at home, and he's under my authority, and he's under my care, it is my job to examine Josiah's fruit, to listen to the words that are coming out of his mouth when he talks, to look at the actions, the things that he's doing, 
to see how he's living his life. Hey, to pay attention and see if he's reading his Bible on his own, if he's got his own relationship with Jesus. You're like, well, that's very controlling. No, it's called parenting. Proverbs says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, like me, right? He won't depart for it. It's my job to examine him. No, you stay put. I'm a, no, lift, lift, yeah, I'm, lift that arm up, uh-huh. I've got to come up here, and I've got to look at this, and I've got to look at the fruit in his life and see what's growing down, what's growing down here? And see, see what's happening, and look up here, and what's growing, and okay, I see this, and this is good fruit. This fruit's not so great. Let's talk about this fruit right here. Go sit down, buddy. We're called to examine. And when you examine, examine means you pick something up. You grab something and you really look at it. It's not a casual glance. It's not a passing by and like, oh yeah, I saw that. It's picking this thing up and really looking it over and saying, well, what is this? What font did they use on here? And what colors did they use? And what words are these? And what letters are in here? And all these kind of things where you're really examining this thing. That's what God is saying. You need to examine the fruit of your life. What kind of fruit are you producing? He goes on here. I can tell you're all really enjoying this. Praise Jesus. Let's keep going. <laughs> Let's keep going here. He goes on. says, verse 20 again. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. I just want to tell you again one more time. You've got to examine your life. You've got to look into your life. You've got to take stock. A responsible farmer that responsible orange grove farmer in that Tropicana commercial. He was out in those fields, picking trees, picking fruits, looking to see what kind of fruit was growing. And that's what a responsible farmer does. And a responsible follower of Jesus, someone who is sincere about their relationship with Jesus, will walk through the garden of their life with him and say, let's look at this together. What do you see here? Yeah. What do you see? You know, it's no, it's no, it's no coincidence that God created a garden for Adam to work in and to tend it and to keep it and that God was there together with them and they walked through the garden. Let's look at this fruit. Let's look at that fruit. God wants to walk through the garden of your life. God wants to walk through the trees of your life. God wants to look at the fruit in your life with you and speak to you about it and say, hey, I see this inside of you. There's, this is a great looking pomegranate, but I see something on the outside of this pomegranate that shouldn't be there. I see some disease starting. I see something that I, that's not going to end up well. Listen, if you leave this unchecked, if you don't check this here and you let this go and grow on its own, it's not going to end up how you think it's going to end up. Let's take care of this right now. Let's nip it in the bud and let's take this unhealthy fruit and this unhealthy tree and let's make it right and healthy again. 
Jesus goes on in verse 21. He's talking about, it seems like Jesus is jumping back and forth between thoughts, but he's really got one thought that he's trying to communicate here, and he's using a parable to, to illustrate it. Verse 21, he's back again now, and he says, Not everybody who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He was just talking about how to get to heaven and the road is narrow and the highway to hell is broad. Then he starts talking about fruit and examining fruit. And now he's back in verse 21 talking again about the kingdom of heaven. He says, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord is going to get into heaven. Not everybody who says I'm a follower of Jesus is going to show up and get into heaven, he's saying. Which is a frightening thought. Let's read a little bit more about what he's talking about. He says, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we performed many miracles in your name. Jesus, we did all these great things. We did all these works in your name. We did all these great things in your name. And he says this, but I'm going to reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So many times we get caught up in the works and the roles and the positions and we think that's what God's looking for. But there's a really interesting sentence at the very end there if you caught it. They said, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. We cast out demons. We did these things for you in your name. But Jesus says, well, Jesus, what he doesn't say is, you didn't know me. What he does say is, I didn't know you. And what Jesus is saying here is that there's a lot of people who live their lives doing what they think are the right things, the right actions, but they're missing out on that one important thing. And that is relationship with Jesus, where he knows you. Not that you know Jesus, that you know about him, but that he knows you. There's a big difference between you knowing somebody and them knowing you. You could all say, I know so-and-so. I've met so-and-so. I know about so-and-so. But does so-and-so know you? Does Jesus know you? And that comes through relationship with him. Depart from me, it says in the New King James. I never knew you. I never knew you. Sure, those works you did, maybe you thought they were great. Let me read this to you in the message translation. Can I do that? We're in Matthew. And I'm going to go to the message. Bear with me a second. <clears throat> And we're in verse 21 and 23. Just close your eyes for a second or sit still for a second or just focus for a second and let me read this to you from the message translation. Knowing the correct password saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills 
I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everybody talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. So as I was reading this, we're wrapping up here. As I was reading this, you know, if you look here in um, verse 21, Jesus says, only those who do the will of my Father will get into heaven. You say to yourself, okay, so what is the will of the Father? Go with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 38. John 6, 38. It says, I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he's given to me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. Verse 40. For it's my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. So Jesus said the ones who do the will of the Father are the ones that are going to get into heaven, not the ones who did all the works trying to make themselves look important and be famous. He says here, it's my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. So what is the correlation between examining the fruit of your life and getting into heaven? It's not a very far stretch to put these two thoughts together. And the thought is this. I said a few minutes ago that people watch you more than you realize or ever know. And so when people are watching and examining your life, a lot of us, some of the people that we interact with and do life with, we may be the only Jesus that they ever really experience. And so as believers, as followers of Jesus, let's say it this way, as followers of Jesus, we've got to walk in the power of the Spirit, allowing His fruit to be present in our life so that when people are dealing with us, when people are talking to us, when people are listening to us, they are being drawn to the Jesus inside of us so that they come to see His Son. They don't see you. They don't see Jeff. They don't see Gene. They don't see Jill. They see the Jesus inside of them and coming to see that Jesus, their life is transformed and changed and they come to know him so that their life is transformed and changed and they begin to walk in the newness of life found only in Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life and their life is transformed and changed and they begin to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and the people that they encounter begin to see Jesus on the inside of them and the cycle continues to repeat itself. So I want to say this. Examining the fruit of your life is probably 
a whole lot more important than a, a lot of us ever give credit or thought to. A lot of us float through life feeling like we're doing pretty okay and things aren't too bad. But I want to remind you that everywhere you go, people are listening and watching. People need the Jesus that you carry on the inside of you. People need that spirit of life and healing and transformation that you've got because of Jesus on the inside of you and you need to give it away. And so as you live your life, I challenge you, I encourage you, don't just live your life coming to church on Sunday mornings and saying, this is it, that's why I'm here, because it's not. People are watching you and you need to Walk through the garden of your life. Walk through the orange grove of your life. Walk through the apple field of your life and begin to look at the trees with the Spirit of God so that he can begin to point out to you the things in your life that you need to begin to reshape and cultivate and work into and help change and transform so that you can be to people you encounter an image of him. Amen? Stand up with me. I want to take a walk. Nope, not physically. I want to take some time where you're able to walk through the garden of your life with the Lord. And I want you to take a moment and ask Him in your life to help you examine the fruit, to look at the fruit that's hanging off of you, and to show you things. And here's how you do that. You absolutely quiet yourself from all distractions around you. If you need to, you close your eyes. You forget about the person beside you. And you just say, God, let's go for a walk. Let's look at my trees. Let's look at my fruit. And you say to him, with your own words or in your heart, God, show me my fruit. Show me my fruit. Show me my fruit. As he begins to show you the fruit of your trees, as he begins to show you the fruit in your life. I'm not going to make anybody say anything, but is he pointing out anything to any of you? Is he showing any of you the fruit of your life? Is he showing things in your life? Put your hands up if he is. Let me see him. He's such a gentle father. So as he shows you those things, here's what you do. 
your own voice, of your own words, in your own heart, however you want to, you say this, God, help me fix this. Help me repair this fruit. Help me to get rid of the bad fruit and to turn this back into good fruit. Work in my heart. Work in my life. Work on this tree. So, Father, I thank you right now that by your Spirit, you're revealing things, that you are showing things that only you could see, and that you're not just pointing out, you're not just pointing out the weaknesses or the shortcomings or the bad fruit in our lives, but God, you're showing us those things, and then, Father, I thank you that by your Spirit right now, that you are showing how to repair those things, that you are showing how to bring life and healing, to take, to take the bad fruit, the unhealthy fruit, and turn it into a healthy fruit, to make it look the way that you desire it to look, that you are making us useful and fit in your hands. Father, I thank you that your spirit that always brings healing, it always brings life, it always brings restoration. And I thank you, Father, that that spirit right now is at work bringing transformation, that you are at work deep in our heart right now, Father. And I thank you that as we go forward from this place, Father, I thank you that as we go forward, that you are at work. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.